Hello. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Right. Yeah. You actually sound a lot better in these headphones. Welcome to Worthy Admission Podcast. My name is B Frank. And I'm Travis. I don't have a nick I don't have a cool nickname, so I'm just gonna go with Travis. This is a podcast about bringing in different information about the Hollywood industry, whether it be movies, television, pretty much anything pop culture that you can think of, we're gonna at least try and cover. We don't always have our pulse on everything, but we're gonna do our best to keep up on anything Marvel, anything DC superhero wise. We're gonna look go into TV shows. Um, we'd like to try and cover all our bases. Essentially, kind of a fandom for all. Oh yeah, him, him and I have been big geeks for a long time, and you know, honestly, this is no time like the present because we have so many things coming out now. It's impossible to keep up with, but we do our best. You know, we try to bring you everything that we like things to keep you up on something that you may have slipped through the cracks because there's way too much stuff out there nowadays big news coming out this week you know we've this is kind of the perfect week to start a podcast so many trailers a lot of news coming out of the world of entertainment um it's honestly a good time just to be a fan of movies and tv shows just because we've never had this kind of this freedom you can turn on 10 different streaming apps that right now even if you don't want to do that you can go to the movies and see things that you never thought you would see especially in the world of like geekdom and being a nerd and it's cool to be a nerd nowadays it's it's fun you know <laughs> it's something that people used to make fun of you for or never could understand now get a chance to see why people freak out over things i mean you have things like the walking dead on tv that we never thought would be a successful tv show Thought it'd be cool. You know, everybody wanted to always see zombies. I mean, I'm a huge fan of zombies. I've got a zombie sleeve on my arm, for goodness sake. Like, I love horror and I love zombies. And it's really cool that those things can be on TV all the time. You know, I can tune, I can turn on anything. And they're popular. That's how we get to keep nice things is people growing and being fans. And even people that weren't always nerds growing up that love certain shows or love Marvel movies, even if even if you didn't read comic books, is a really fun thing to have. And for us, I know it makes it fun to talk about. Everybody does it. Everybody has that group of friends, especially if you're listening to this podcast. You have those friends you can play around with. And nowadays, it's not even necessarily a what if, but it's a matter of when you're going to see something, whether it be on TV or if it's going to be in the movies. Like You're always going to have something to watch and talk about. What just dropped today, Brandon? I forget a small movie, an indie movie, I think. <laughs> just uh, Just dropped. a small movie. Well, Avengers 4 has been the running title for the last year, and if you have not watched the trailer yet, now is the time that you want to pause and go watch that, because... Because we want to be able to discuss it, and we want everybody else to be in with it. We, also, and, we don't want to spoil too much, especially you, Brandon, with your knowledge of uh, everything Marvel. Oh, see, here's the thing, though. After you watch almost 10,000 hours worth of movies and television, you kind of understand how to talk to people in a spoiler-free environment you know you can always say you know this is this is the point where spoilers are going to are going to happen but i can also talk about some things in a spoiler-free fashion well so what do you mean we're supposed to give people a spoiler alert give them like uh, five seconds to tune out if they don't want to hear about it if they if they haven't hung up already then avengers endgame spoiler-free well, let's get into this trailer. I mean, this was something that was rumored for a while. We were wondering when it was going to drop. Obviously, we got a Captain Marvel trailer this week, which was fantastic. I cannot wait for that movie to come out. But really, everything we've been waiting for is Avengers. Yeah, it's great. We have all 
you know, everything on TV, Marvel wise and on Netflix and things like that. But I mean, this is what started it all. I mean, this idea right here would started with Iron Man, you know, that was, I guess the big first turning point, but we get to this point now it is crazy to see how massive it's become. And it almost feels natural. You know, you see so many characters, we freaked out with civil war when you had all those characters on screen at once and you had, a character in Spider-Man that which you never thought would see the light of day, at least on the mm-hmm. Disney Marvel side, to get to this point. I mean, I'm giddy. It was it's like Christmas morning when you get a chance to watch this oh, up yeah, close, yeah. and it's just here, here. It is. Go ahead and drool over this for the next five months before the movie comes out. When the the thing with a a trailer like this too is everybody has wanted any bit of information about this new Avengers movie since the Avengers Infinity War logo dusted away before it said Thanos will return. You know, we we haven't, we've been lucky enough to be in a world where any type of information pretty much is, is possible. And Marvel has really stepped up their game on secrecy. I mean, how Tom Holland himself was cornered by a fan asking to be told about anything Avengers and they will shoot me. That was his response to, to that. And I thought that was hilarious because one, he's learned from his mistake. And two, it, it shows you the level of secrecy, which on a fan side, I'm purely okay with because you get that I'm going to the theater and I'm going to be surprised. Now, coming from somebody who wants to know everything about a movie possible, that is that is something big coming from me. I would have been okay if they just gave me a fucking title. If they'd have given me a title and said Avengers Endgame, I'd have been okay with that, you know? We all would have um, freaked over that. We would have had an hour podcast just on a poster. You know, that's that's what the draw and how big marvel is i mean we we just drool all over it that's this is what we wait for this is almost as fun as going to see the actual movie because you get the payoff but the speculation the talking this the talking that you know you get these little leaks here and there rumored people to be in it and how this might go that's half the fun you know it it's one of those just fun things to anticipate and it's fun to talk about for us this is this this stops the world right now and then we're dropping two trailers in a week especially with how big captain marvel is going to play into uh avengers endgame which oh yeah she's gonna be she's gonna be the one to end up fucking thanos up I th- i'm hoping for that it's that's what we get to wait for and have fun with it's almost as fun as people who love star wars obviously coincidentally still owned by disney you know now you know, it's those fun things. And when you get to go to the theater, you said it right. It's an experience. It doesn't matter if you see it in the fanciest theater or with the reclining chairs or see it in IMAX 3D and all these cool movable seats and everything like that. Now, you just have fun going to the movies. And especially with Marvel, Marvel has conditioned us to sit through 10 minutes of credits just for 30 seconds more of anything that they'll fucking give us. Oh, it's we like I said, we... Love it all, especially when you wait to see how many after credit scenes there's going to be, if it's going to be one, two, or three. I mean, we've had three in the past. I don't know where they're going to go from here, so I don't know what those after credit scenes are going to look like now. And that's what excites me, is now we're ending the end of this big segment that we've been doing for 10 years. And well, we've all been along for the ride. Especially with the recent Fox-Disney buyout, up until this point, I mean, even through this point, there has been, we as an audience have been conditioned to know and understand that the X-Men 
are different than the MCU. Spider-Man and all of his characters are separate from the MCU. And we're now getting to a point where Disney's just pretty much saying, fuck it, we'll throw you an absurd amount of money just to get our characters back. Because we know that, one, we can do them well. We can do them right. And two, that $75 billion that they gave Fox, they're going to make all that back in the next five to ten years. Easy. That's why they spent billions of dollars on Lucasfilm and Marvel, because they knew what they were going to get out of it. My only worry is, I don't think there's ever really been a problem for Marvel's oversaturating, because I feel like that's what we got with Star Wars. You know, we were great to have the trilogy, but people were starting to get burned out. I mean, obviously, I thought Solo was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I also I did too. I, I mean, for what it was, I thought it was a great movie, but a lot of people saw it other ways. But again, I'm not as hardcore of a fan with Star Wars as some people are. I, I mean... I can stand on my own with the trilogy and I can stand alone for most of those movies, but you get into the novels and you are in just into the books, even yeah. the comics. It, it goes so deep that you feel oversaturated and that's why they've been pulling out on quite a few of these shows and are these movies. And I'm excited to see what they do with some of these, the TV show that's going to be coming out on their streaming service with Disney plus. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's going to be fun to see, but I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we've been waiting for so long to end the trilogy and obviously we're nearing that point after that what are we going to see you know yeah we want to see some of the main characters maybe have a break off movie to i have think one thing that uh, i think one thing that that really killed solo or, or a couple things i mean i i thought it was a better star wars movie than the, than the last jedi i mean the last jedi was very grandiose it was very big you can tell that there was a lot of, of time and effort put into that but the story just wasn't there i felt like Solo was was a good Star Wars story, but I think that Disney kind of put it in a in a bad spot. Every other Star Wars movie that Disney has come out with has been in December to get the Christmas rush. And not only did Solo have a whole lot of production issues along the way, I mean, they had almost an entire movie worth of reshoots with Ron Howard, but then we didn't see our first trailer until the Super Bowl, and it came out three months later. It came out three weeks after Infinity War and a week after Deadpool. And so May just was not the right time to release that film. And I think I think it really hurt Disney to see it not do well, but it's kind of on them. They just didn't promote it well. They didn't do a good job of figuring out, oh, hey, Infinity War is going to be a $2 billion movie. Who could have guessed that? Yeah, but also you got to think the same time, too. When they casted Tom Holland for Spider-Man, we didn't know anything about him and look at what he's done and how big he's gotten to become from being Spider-Man. And that's great, oh, yeah. but they were able to find that talent. When you think about how hard they, they searched and they, they went through, they went through hoops to try and find the, the solo, you know, the new Han solo. They really wanted to find that perfect person. And I think he did a great job, but at the same time too, I, I wasn't in love with the story. I, I thought it was better than The Last Jedi, but I, there are also a lot of parts from The Last Jedi that I liked. You know, there were some plots with, you know, what do they do? They're, you know, they're being chased down. I love that cat and mouse game of how are they going to escape and what was going to happen. I did enjoy that. But from the aspect of moving the story along with, you know, Luke and what was he going to do with Rey and how that was going to become. And then you Kylo, what was going to happen after the end of the first movie? You know, he essentially had been defeated. In that first movie, and it was, I wanted to see what was going to happen, and the payoff was great to a point. I just felt it was a little bit long and drawn out, and for what they built up it to be, if I to me, it felt like a letdown. A couple of things for me were, 
after all this time, we finally get a new, a new Star Wars, a new big bad, a new, you know, Sith villain. But then you get introduced to Supreme Leader Snoke, and you know, you expect him to be this big person. And I, I remember after the Force Awakens, all the way leading up to the Last Jedi, all the speculation was that, oh, this is Darth Plagueis. You know, this this makes sense because he's kind of got a fucked up visage, and. He seems really old. He's he's very knowledgeable. And then they just killed him, and we got zero information. I, as as an audience member, I wanted to know why he brought Kylo over to the dark side. How he did that, you know. I know Luke had something to do with that as well, but he did sense that Snoke was there. So with Snoke being so powerful, how come we didn't see more of that? And then on top of that, you know, Luke training quote unquote Ray. What it was more like, hey, wax on, wax off, but I'm not going to teach you why waxing on and waxing off is is actually going to do something. And then all of a sudden at the end, Ray is like, I can move boulders with my mind and I've been training for two and a half hours. You know, it just didn't feel like we as an audience really should have gotten that moment because Ray herself hadn't hadn't gotten that moment either. No, I know. I, I there wasn't enough payoffs for how the buildup was, but you have to think too. That original trilogy came together just. It was a different time back then. You know, it, it was, was also more, it was it was just more creating and putting it out versus now. There's a reputation to uphold. That's why they didn't think they needed to promote. I mean, they still promoted the hell out of Solo, but they relied more on the Star Wars name and the fans coming to go see it. And that's not quite the case nowadays. People are a lot smarter and. With so many things being out there, movie-wise, I mean, there's, you know, most of the weekends, there's two, three movies that I could want to go see, whether it be a major release or an indie movie. That's just how it works around here nowadays. That's what you find, because you see a lot of big actors do a lot of smaller movies. But people are a lot more pickier when that comes to, what do I want to see? What do I want to spend my money on? What do I want to spend my, exactly, what do I want to spend my money on, you know? Especially nowadays, movie tickets are... 10 11 12 dollars more if you go see an imax is 1850 to go see an imax movie that's about what it is here too honestly the only movies right now to see in imax are avengers infinity war and avengers endgame because those two movies so far the only and the first two movies to be shot 100 with imax cameras i actually listened to the q a that the russo brothers had done last wednesday and one of the biggest questions was why IMAX, why all of it, why now? Joe was Joe and Anthony were talking about it, and they're like, the IMAX cameras used to be really big. You used to have to work for them, and now they're the technology is advanced enough that we can we can allow it to work for us instead. And so at that point, it's it's easier to do that. It is still expensive, but of course Disney has the money. Whereas a movie like the Dark Knight Returns is a good example, or Venom, where you have certain scenes that are shot on IMAX, and then the rest of it is not. At that point, it's not worth the eighteen fifty. Whereas with the two Avengers movies, where you're getting hundred percent IMAX, it's absolutely worth that eighteen fifty. It's even worth the extra fifteen dollars you're going to spend at the concession stand. Hence, why we're called worth the admission. Exactly. Aha, great tie-in. Good job, Brandon. <laughs> That's how you bring it all full circle, even though we started off on trying to talk about the Avengers trailer and just went off on a tangent, because that's exactly what we do on this podcast. It's just something fun for us to get together and just enjoy what movies are, and TV and everything else, because 
that's what we're all addicted to nowadays. You know, yeah. what's the next thing that's coming out? What, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Netflix is that, is that key? You know, that's what we, that's what we go off of nowadays. That's our, that's our go-to information. One of the guys I used to work with at Best Buy told me once, he goes, Netflix ruined the internet. And I thought about it and I was like, you're right. You know, the internet used to just be the internet. Just you, you go on there, you get your information. But when Netflix started streaming, that changed the way that internet works, especially with all that now. I mean, you've got the DC streaming service, you got the Disney Plus streaming service, you got Hulu, you got Amazon, and they're all making and plan on making really good things. And now it's like they're they're literally fighting for your attention. And well, did you hear how much that Netflix is paying to keep Friends on because? people lost their minds when it was coming off or going off on January 1st. The original, the original figure they bought it for, their, you know, they used the rights for to stream it was $30 million. It's now close to $100 million, I think is what the, t- the number I heard in the ballpark. That is an insane amount of money. But you think how much that company's worth? That's nothing to them. It's truly nothing to them. Because how many millions of subscribers do they have a month? I pay for my 4K subscription to watch 4K stuff. And the the thing is with Netflix, they don't give any of that information out. They don't, nobody fully knows except, you know, those who are privileged at Netflix. Nobody actually knows how many subscribers they have. When Luke Cage and Iron Fist were canceled and they just said, you know, they had a good run, but this, this is kind of the end of the line for them. Nobody knew how many people were watching. And that's something that Netflix has kept close to their chest because, the second you release that, then it's like, okay, now we have to beat Netflix. By keeping that speculation at, say, you know, 50 million people, which is probably yeah. even still a low number, you're making $700 million a month on $14 a month. I mean, yeah, you, but you don't think about it like this, though. Whether or not they tell us the numbers, if I can go up to somebody and talk about Blue Cage or any of the Marvel shows, I can talk about House of Cards. I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Ranch, and a lot of people like that show. And I, you have, like I said, Orange is the New Black. There's so many big shows that are out there. Ozark. It's, uh, it's I, easier to I, communicate through movies and television now. I mean, hell, that's that's where most of my conversations come into play. You know, talking about how the weather is or what's going on in life. No, I go to the movies to get away from life. And at this point, being able to talk about that is just it's just in the forefront of my mind it's always there it's a big prevalent part of our society now you know when movies or or you know motion pictures were first developed it was you know they were five seconds long and that was a big fucking deal and now you know you can make a two and a half hour movie make sense as long as you've watched the previous 21 if if you've never seen a marvel movie before nobody's ever explained to you what's going on and you hop into infinity war you're lost out of your fucking mind and there's no way to really get that other than to watch those previous 20 some movies but people are along for that ride with i mean marvel still has they still have a a few marvel movies up you know they have black panther and they have uh thor i believe they have guardians as well i mean they've got a few of them on there that people keep catch up on but and all that's gonna go away with disney plus yeah, but everybody will jump to Disney Plus, though. I mean, I plan on having Disney. I've got a kid, and he loves Coco, and he watches Coco, like, at least once a day. And I've seen Coco about 150 times now. 
And that's how powerful Disney is. It just can be, and this can be anything. I know they said they're not bringing back any of those Marvel shows, like Daredevil and Luke Cage. They've kind of they're said not that bringing that's them back, but the characters will still could be rebooted. I guess is the best way to to say it. They could be rebooted. I would love to see Charlie Cox as Daredevil, and I'd love to see John Bernthal as the Punisher again. But other than those last seasons that they're going to get on Netflix, we're not going to get those again because Disney's going to go for that family-friendly style, which I'm, I'm totally okay with. But unfortunately, it brings you down a peg having these such great TV shows to go to something new and to wonder what's going to be new. Now, hopefully, they, yeah. they wait enough time, kind of like I'm guessing a Fantastic Four movie is in the works three to six years from now because they got to show that they can do it right. And they got to show they can do it after the, the other ones have already been forgotten. But they're always going to be. I mean, even this day, even though like Ryan Reynolds jokes about it, I mean, with Deadpool, he, I mean, he references Green Lantern. Those mm-hmm. things still don't go away from you. It doesn't matter who you are or how big you are. I mean, even with just say in terms of a studio, they're always going to compare it to that failed Fantastic Four movie a couple of years back. I didn't mind the ones in the early days. It was the early 2000s. I enjoyed the ones where Chris, the the one where Chris Evans was the only actor to be in two different Marvel universes. Yeah, I remember yeah. that too. Hey, you know what though? I'm okay with that. But because at that time, even as over the top they were, they were making movies. They were making superhero movies, which before then wasn't really done. I mean, I, I mean around that time you had the Spider Man, the Tobey hey, Maguire Spider Man movies. Hey, don't hate on those. I know people oh, no. hate on them, and they're Here's terrible. The thing. But I don't I hate on the first two. I don't hate on the first two. They're really good. The third one that no longer exists. <laughs> we won't talk about that. But I, I, that was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. I won't lie to you. Whenever I was homesick from school or I, I wanted something to watch, that first Spider-Man movie wasn't for me. I've probably seen it 20, 30 times. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and I don't really recall it as much as I probably should. But I enjoyed it. I enjoy those first two movies, and but that's oh, yeah. what kicked all of this off. Now we get to the point nowadays where they built a universe. Back then, they didn't know how to do it. They didn't know how to connect the dots. They really couldn't. Honestly, Kevin Feige, the the CEO of, of Marvel Studios, the, the head president, that man is the one who brought it all. The The reason that the Spider-Man movies, number three, and then the... The other two amazing Spider-Mans, the reason those didn't really do well is the producers, Amy Pascal and Avi Arad, they had too big of voices and they didn't understand exactly what they needed to do. They wanted to sell more in money terms versus selling the character itself. Marvel has sold us the characters. And one thing that the, the writers of all the Captain America movies and Infinity War, Marcus and McFeely, both of them have said it's just they're just movies about people you know they might have special abilities but in the end they're just people and that's something that a lot of the other studios didn't quite understand they were they put the superhero first and they put the person behind the mask second oh i know because the end of uh, guardians of the galaxy 2 with uh, the ravager funeral like that made me that that was, that. was rough. I, I i i teared up with that i cried a little bit i won't lie to you Hell, I teared up today during the trailer. <laughs> to me, it was it's insane what we get to have and what we're privileged to have nowadays. And we're so spoiled. We literally are spoiled. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm scrolling through Netflix as we speak, 
and just looking at the the number of movies that are on here. I mean, old movies, new movies, everything. I can scroll for pages. I I literally scrolled for hours and can find 15, 20 movies that I want to watch. And that's what I love about this. They make it so easy. And to me, it's as to bring it all the way back to your original point, it's a tool. I see it as a tool. A lot more yeah. creative people get to be creative. You know, from everything, from, like say on Netflix, I love the comedy specials all the way to their bigger budgeted movies and their TV shows. I mean, some of their TV shows are get go so underrated and people go, oh, I've never heard of that, but it's so good, you know? And oh, yeah. Everybody no. gets to have their own niche. And Netflix allows people to, to have a personality. You get to see things that you want to see. And even things that you didn't even know you wanted to see, you get to see. A good example of that is there are two foreign TV shows that I've watched on Netflix. One thing about me is if the voices don't match with the mouths, if they don't match what they're saying, it drives me up a fucking wall. I, I mean, I will sit there and try and fix it if I have to. And Netflix actually released last year a show called Dark. It was a German show, and it was Netflix's first internationally released show. I remember show. hearing about that. I remember hearing about that. fucking awesome. You know, it, and, and on top of that, there was a Spanish one called The Rain that was, that was also good. And being able to, to see these and, and actually have a chance to experience them is, is a feat all on its own. I mean, before that, you know, French, no, I'm okay. But now you, you get to that point where it's like, no, this has good production quality. This has had thought and, and purpose behind it. Yeah, oh, I, but I will say the only thing I dislike about Netflix is they are becoming the hall, this generation's hallmark for Christmas movies because some of their Christmas movies are not great. Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell, though, it, it's a really good movie. I, it, it's one of those that it won't ever get the respect it deserves for being a Christmas movie because everybody looks at Christmas Vacation and they look at uh, A Christmas Story. I mean, those are your two pinnacle top. I mean, you can go old school with Miracle on 34th Street. I mean, whatever, yeah. whichever remake you want to make. Scrooge is also really good. I mean, there's a when, ton of Christmas movies, but they, for, I mean, they've put out so many, they've put out three or four Christmas movies already this year. I mean, I have a wife, so I get, I'm forced to watch some of these terrible <laughs> Christmas movies. But you also get to experience, you know, the fun one. I mean, I, I just watched the Vanessa Hudgens one. I forget uh, the Princess Switch, which is a Christmas movie. I thought it was pretty good. Cheesy, very cheesy, very Christmassy and cheesy. I actually really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And that's just something that touts to what I, you know, that's why I think Netflix is a tool because I would have never been interested in this movie. But I watched it and I actually thought it was really good. It was more enjoyable. And that Christmas Chronicle movie is, I highly recommend it. I just think it's a good, fun Christmas watch that's family friendly. I, there are some, you know, we've had raunchy ones in the past couple of years with like the night before an office Christmas party, but yeah. this is actually one that you can sit down and watch with the family and, and Kurt Russell kind of singing the blues <laughs> in jail, which is no, which is not a spoiler. It's uh, something for you to look forward to if you want to actually watch it. That was that. I mean, to me, that's a lot of fun, and it makes us uh, not just this time of year, but. <laughs> We're getting so many bigger movies that are coming out. I mean, Mowgli's just coming out today for something a little bit bigger budgeted. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but it, I mean, it's got Christian Bale in it. It's got Kate Blanchett in it. It's, it has really good actors. And that's what you're seeing from Netflix is they're pulling big names in. Uh, Andy Serkis, you might know him as playing Gollum. 
you know, he directed the movie, which is not something I expected to see because he's not traditionally known as an uh, as a director. This is only his mm-hmm. second, it, only the second thing he's ever directed or something anything major. So it's cool that you get to see weird combinations like this. So you go, I wonder if that's going to be good or not. I've looked at the trailer. Visually, it looks fantastic. It's something that I don't know if the Jungle Book's still on Netflix or not. That was another one that I actually really enjoyed that movie, and I know this is going along those same lines, and it's not quite you know the Disney version of it, but to me, it's probably one of the best, more interesting things that I've seen Netflix do. In a world where all of our time, spending more time watching movies, watching TV shows, whether it be individually or with a family, and kind of brings around the, when, it, when we ask, is it worth the admission, we ask, is it worth the money, first of all, but also is it worth the time? You know, you've got to spend 10 hours, 10, 13 hours, if not more, through TV shows. Is it worth that time to actually to put that time in? Is it worth it to go and try and experience this? Especially with all these opportunities and options coming around, you have to choose very carefully. You can go willy-nilly, and I've definitely been like, you know what, I'm going to try this show out today. And then 10 episodes later, I'm done, and it was awesome. But not everybody's going to have that time or, or availability to be able to do that. So you're to a point where you have to choose what is my time best spent watching? What is my time best spent doing in this new economy of movies and TV? Let's get to the biggest thing of all. Let's get to this trailer. I, I want to talk about the Avengers trailer. I want to break it down. I want you to take the lead on this one and tell me, tell me what, you, what you saw out of this you have to pick and choose very carefully. Other than the fact that the Avengers could be doing something, and not even the Avengers, the fact that Black Widow and Cap are doing something, but we don't know what, is is teasing. You know, we know that the Avengers are going to do something, but we still don't know what. And that's kind of the essence of what a teaser trailer is. I mean, hell, the, the Game of Thrones teaser trailer was just fire hitting ice and consuming the houses but it was enough to get your interest peaked, and that's what it's all about. Let's start the journey to the end. It opens up with the Iron Man mask, all kind of broken and shelled. And it looks like it's seen better days. I mean, it's yeah, completely yeah. destroyed. It's barely functioning. Tony is you, kind of surprised that it's working. As we go through, you see the toll that this whole movie takes, and I think that's one of the biggest things you get is that vibe. From the very moment mm-hmm. that you start watching this trailer. You definitely changed, feel the failure. Yeah, and how it builds through... that. Just be, It's just even that first 50 seconds of the trailer. It's so powerful. And they just give you that little nugget of a scene. And then obviously it goes off on the teaser side. But that whole scene with Tony and the just in that first minute is just heartbreaking. Because you're right. You see the mask. It's all destroyed. And basically he's just sending... It's almost a suicide note. You know, it's, it's, it's a goodbye that, message. He doesn't expect to come back. Yeah, and just what he recalls, he's like, food food ran out four days ago. I've got air till tomorrow. And obviously, we want to know what happens. And you, But you're already speculating what's going to happen. And that's one of the fun things about Marvel that we already talked about is you already can speculate what's going to happen. It's just so heartbreaking that you you're sitting there going, you feel for him. I mean, because you've been on the journey with him from... The first one, he was that playboy, and then, you know, he was humbled, and he continued to be humbled, and then he felt his own mortality, you know, especially starting with the first Avengers. Yeah. What happened in the first Avengers really sparked the way everything happened, and then everything that happened in, in Age of Ultron, the next biggest one with Sokovia, 
I mean, the, but the fallout from that and all those people dying, I mean, that really affected him. And then now you go to you attack him on a more personal level in, in Civil War, where now it's your friends turning on you. Now it's mm-hmm. not just your mind turning on you. Now you're talking about not the people you just work with, which essentially they are co-workers, but they all have this thing that makes them so unique. Yeah, I know he's a genius and he makes cool suits, but still at the end of the day, he's proven himself as a, his worth as a hero. He's a and person. This, now you've seen him always as indestructible because you always see, okay, he's going to get back up. He's going to get back up. He's going to get back up. He's the invincible Iron Man. Now you, you don't see that anymore. And whether or not whatever happens in the movie, that's what it comes off to me as. Is you see him, you're like, wow. It's your own mortality staring back at you. And it's got to be the most crazy thing to just see yourself. You've, you're facing death and you've come to accept it. And now it's that last little bit of realization. And it's heartbreaking to see, say, you know, the last thing he's going to think about is her and the last thing he's going to see is her. That's, that's truly heartbreaking. For a fan, you're thinking about the whole family thing and everything that's come to, to that point. And just to see that, to think about that being taken away in that one scene is, to, to me, it, it changes how you see him again. To me, it's, it's an evolution. From an audience standpoint, there has been no time, no movie where the ver- by the very end, the hero has, has lost. There's been nothing like that until Infinity War. And so they, they as, as characters, as people, haven't felt that yet. And so this is the, this is the harsh realization of we can lose. And it's, it, it is hard. You know, it's hard for a regular person, let alone somebody who had a hand in trying to stop it and failed. And then 50% of the population then dusts away like the Marvel Studios logo, reminding us that we still hurt after six months. Going through it, everybody seems devastated. I mean, well, I know we'll get into that more, but that theme through the entire trailer, it's a weird thing because, you. Don't, I mean, at the end of the day, this is going to be an action movie, but it doesn't come off that way. It really comes off like a drama. You know, you feel yeah. the drama and the turmoil of failing and What's they're gonna? What are they gonna do? It makes you wonder so many different things, and that's what makes it so fun because you don't know where it's going. It feels like so many different things, especially what happens at the end of the trailer, which we'll get to. You, you get that feeling of it's just a range of emotions. That's why people get so yeah. emotional in these movies is how connected you feel to it. The next shot, I mean, you you get the Marvel Studios logo dusting away to to give us a reminder, and then you get. A shot of Thanos, his armor actually hanging like a scarecrow. It's just a shot straight from the Infinity End of Infinity Gauntlet into Infinity War comic set. Then you see Thanos's arm walking through a field. You still see the gauntlet is really messed up, having used those stones, which is interesting in itself because in the comics, the gauntlet doesn't really take a toll on the wearer and so being able to do it this way where it is some a big sacrifice especially for thanos being as big and as large as he is the capability of those stones actually causing harm to the wearer makes it so that nobody can just up and take it so that's why it was so difficult to get the infinity stones that's why we uh, we got to see the struggle especially in infinity war the struggle that it took to get those. Obviously, it seemed like he was doing it so quickly throughout the movie because to this point, we've been waiting to see what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, he has all the stones. To see that and to see, I guess, the vulnerability and seeing that they're letting this play out. They're letting it be human. They're letting the attack at the end of the first film really play in. Really set this. in. Yeah, because, you know, he's invincible. He's unbeatable. 
to show that he still took damage and that they almost did it, it just like makes it. It's just such a. I always think of like a big fight feel. That's the way I feel about this, and especially when I watch Infinity War and you're watching that just that last scene and how everything came together and you got to see all those heroes fight at the same time. It makes me feel like a sporting event. When you're seeing that, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this is happening. Because you don't always get those feelings in, you know, when you're watching a movie. You don't always get to have that those butterflies when you're watching something. Even if you know what's going to happen in, say, like a Marvel movie, you just want to see it happen. And I love sometimes the predictability, but they've done such a great job of leaning us one way and pushing us another way so... What we're expecting isn't always what we're expecting. When and the Russo brothers in, in their Q&A were talking about whose movie this really was. And, and at the beginning of the movie, it was, you know, the whole movie is kind of about Thor getting his revenge. Had Thor actually gone for the head, he went for the chest because he wanted to tell Thanos, I told you, you'd die for that. And in doing so, he showed his, his kind of human side and didn't win therefore making it Thanos' movie. That snap, the characters of the MCU are calling it, is called The Decimation, which has that horrid sound to it. Yes, you know, it does. It's rough to think about. I mean, you, you think about that nowadays. I mean, you understand why why Cap is crying in, in the very next scene. You know, he's, he's missing Bucky, I'm sure, um, but he's also kind of broken. You know, he did everything that he could, and it wasn't good enough. And so it's like, where do you go now? And then you get Black Widow explaining what Thanos did and that he he did do it. And he wiped out 50% of that population. If I think in that scene, I think she's talking to Clint. Because he's he's the only person that we really, that wasn't in Infinity War, that also hasn't been seen like Scott was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so I'm thinking that that's who she's talking to. And, and we'll get into why. Uh, and then after after that, you know, quick shot of Natasha, you see Banner kind of in in mental and emotional agony with frames of Peter Parker and Scott Lang. They, everybody is expecting that Scott dusted away as well because the only people that could have said otherwise dusted away as well in those after credits. And so having his face up there, it, it shows that they don't really know everything that happened. I mean, as far as we know, Cap has no idea that Tony's still alive. He ended the movie on Titan. We have no idea where he ended up or how he got to where he is at the beginning or if Cap even knows about it. With that, you kind of get into the emotional side. And that is something that Thor in, in the shot that follows is kind of dealing with. Oh, he, he's sitting he looks, sitting there. Yeah, he's, he's sitting there sitting in just there regular clothes. You know, he's not in his Asgardian armor. He's He doesn't look confident and all he he understands that his need and feel for revenge is is essentially what caused this Uh, among other things this is that was his point to stop him and he thought that revenge and being able to throw it in his face was more important than just taking the shot from the beginning yeah and that's what with thor it's such a such a weird it's not a weird story arc but seeing how that played out i mean mentally how does that wear on you Especially, Especially with, coming from his his experience in Thor Ragnarok. You know, it's all happy and, and happy-go-lucky, you know, minus the fact that Odin dies in the beginning. It's, it is a very uppity movie, and then you get into Infinity War, where it's just, just hard drama. Well, no, I mean, his whole planet was destroyed. Kind of Yes, but he had come to terms time. with the fact that Asgard was not a place, it was a people. I understand that, but still, 
I mean, you're going from all the destruction of that and your people to now this and now wanting revenge and then that not going your way and really everything that you've tried to do it's almost like you've stepped on every you've walked underneath every ladder and had every bit of bad luck happen to you because that's what it kind of feels is he put himself obviously in those bad positions but at the same time as well it was a lot of his own doing and now his brothers his they've already said is you know loki spoiler is officially not coming back yeah loki loki's dead Thanos even said no resurrections this time. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, but see, think about that. Now he's lost everything. Obviously, from the first door with losing his powers and the redemption story and getting back to it to me. And then you get into Thor's Ragnarok, which I thought was a great film. And I liked how funny and how witty and and charming he really came to be in his own light because I felt they finally gave that character what he needed in that movie. But still, his arc of having all of that loss and that ripped away from him he's not on solid ground and for him to come back and now honestly look badass and take a lot yeah i mean how do you think they all feel that's you're seeing natasha romanoff and you're seeing you even see nebula on what looks like the the guardians of the galaxy ship but you even see you know she's a character that up until infinity war like she had an emotional side but she was more about the fighting because of what she had gone through and seeing her and her face and how she feels on that ship she she's also broken she understands the loss well the character is fully developed and what I, i didn't think was going to play into being a big character ended up being a really big character and being pivotal you know what i mean because right now when we didn't know how this was all going to play out obviously we knew gamora was you know obviously the daughter and at the end of the day with Thor, seeing that loss was big having all those pieces together is what makes that film so great not just Thor's films, but I'm talking just in general for just the standalone Avengers films. Understanding seen, the universe. Yes, yeah, going high and going low, it was just, it was a big thing. That was a big character moment, seeing Cap and the never-say-die attitude. That's why I always thought yeah. it was crazy. You always had that. And even with this, he says, you know, this has to work because he doesn't know what he's going to do if this doesn't work. That shows you how high stakes they made this movie. And obviously, it's the culmination. It's the final round, final battle. This is what we've all waited for. Every character has their moment, even in that trailer, of trying to pick themselves back up. And seeing Cap have that emotional lift up at the end, you know, it does give you hope, even though he's not sure that that's going to happen or what's going to happen, this, that, and the other thing. That, to me, shows how this movie's going to go. To, to me, I feel you're the payoff at the end of the movie with all these characters, I think is going to be great. And seeing what they're going to do with the characters that went away and probably are coming back. I don't know about all of them, but I'm in, interested to see how that, that whole turnaround is going to be. Because that's what they make you feel in that. When you see Jeremy Renner and you see Hawkeye again. You don't see Hawkeye. You see Clint, who is who yeah. is revealed after you see Ronan for the first time. And you see that look in Clint's eye. I think his family dusted away, and that is what broke him to become Ronan. There's no other reason, really, that he would go back to work other than he has also lost everything. That quick scene also happens as Cap overlays. We lost friends, we lost family, we lost part of ourselves. That tells me not only the stakes, but that tells you, like, from your point of view, that's how heavy this weighs just all of these decisions coming together at once. What I really enjoyed. The cap portion at the end was a lot more important 
I thought the saddest point was going to be Iron Man in the beginning. I just think that minute scene really did a lot to tell you how Honestly, vulnerable they, part... they want to make they want to make the the listener. You know that made them feel uh, when when Tony said part of the journey is the end. That mm. alone brought a tear to my eye and i think that's going to be kind of the tagline for this movie is part of the journey is the end you have to have an end at some point and i feel like that's where they're finally they're steering us in that direction but they, they're doing it in a way where they're not giving you which way it's going to go obviously Thanos is going to be defeated and we know this and we're gonna figure out how the pieces fall after that but we don't know it's I mean, how Cap- they do it what happens yeah, while they do you know, it you know, Cap said he's walking away. You want to know how that ends. And I mean, there's little things here and there that if you've watched the movies for 10 years, obviously, you know and see. I want to know what's going to happen with the falling pieces. Are they going to move Captain America? Is he, you know, who's going to replace him? Is Robert Downey Jr.? I don't know how far he signed on for. Is this his last one as well? well? This is the final movie for a lot of them. And the audience, knowing that, is expecting all of these characters to die. But with with Cap, like it would just be too easy. And they spend so long on this script. I think Cap, after everything's said and done, because of that that quick clip of the image of Peggy Carter, you oh, see that Cap awesome. misses her. Once they get a hold of the time stone and then it's all finished, Cap is gonna ask to go back to nineteen forty five so that he can be with Peggy. I think Tony gets hurt, but at the same time, if Tony does die, I say he dies in front of Parker because that can be our Uncle Ben moment. You know, in all the other Spider-Man movies, Uncle Ben is is something that's forced down our throat. And in Homecoming, he was mentioned, but it wasn't forced. This is something that we as an audience would feel and therefore could relate to Parker in how it's going to make him feel, too. I mean, that that scene in the end of Infinity War was beyond one of the saddest things. You know, I don't feel so well. The thing with that scene, too, is one, obviously, Parker understands that something's going on because of his Spidey sense. And the other thing, too, is... Tom Holland asked the Russo brothers, he's like, I have an idea. I want to I want to try it out. And they're like, OK, fucking go for it. And he a lot of that last Mr. Stark, I don't want to go. A lot of that was improvised because he felt it would push that emotion over the edge. And fuck and it, it, did. it did. But that's what brought all that human level, even from a character that you weren't. He's only been in a couple films and he's all, I mean, he's he's had his own standalone film. But to me, he's such a main important character to this. And people wanted to see him as this is important of a character because he has that lore and that he's a legend. That character is legendary in terms yeah. of just comic book universe in general. So to see that character, not only character has been since he, I was a kid, he's got a video games out, which is amazing. But to see that character now portrayed the way we wanted it to be all along and finally getting to me, getting that first perfect Spider-Man movie. Cause I loved homecoming. I thought homecoming was great. He's not always a superhero. And I'm not saying he's just a teenage kid as well. He's not always fighting the big bad guys. And things don't always go that way. And you've got to kind of see that balance of life that you don't see in any other character movie. And that's the thing with superhero movies in general. You don't always get that tuned in to a character and what they're doing. To me, that's why I really loved Homecoming. I loved him in Civil War, even the few minutes that you got to see him. I love that it kind of correlated both of them back and forth. And just to get to that point where you see him in Infinity War, what happens... It's such a big arc in such a short amount of time. And I think the payoff's been all great. Let's get to that last scene. Yeah, that that last scene is just crazy. Just because in that beginning of the trailer, you see Banner with Scott's photo and they they expect him to be gone. And when, of course, in true Scott fashion, he is making just light of the situation. He's like, hey, I'm kind of out here. Can you open the door? 
And I was that one guy a few years ago. Do you remember me at the airport? You know, that man, I know you remember that. It does an interesting shot of the camera where you've got Natasha and then Cap rises to meet her. And the look on his face is pure astonishment because he's like, because then he says, is this an old message? And Widow says, no, he's at right. the front door. And it's like, that is their hope. I think that somehow he was able to talk with Doctor Strange in the quantum realm and, and get out. And he's like, listen, this is this is what Strange sent me. He sent me a message and it's for you. And I think that's kind of how they're going to play that out. I cannot wait. I've watched the trailer 10 times today. I can't wait for more. Literally, as we've been talking, I still had it on the TV watching it over and over again because it is just so good. But and one thing we didn't see in the trailer, obviously being a teaser, is Captain Marvel. There's there's a couple ways, you know, they could bring her into the trailer. One is kind of like how they did with Thor and the Guardians, which where it's like, you know, who are you guys? I think that they bring her in as a way to save Tony. I think Tony ends up being on her way to Earth somehow. She ends up rescuing him and taking him back because what better way is there to begin the next 10 years of the MCU to hand it off from the old MCU head? And I think I think that's how they're going to do it because it's just going to be an emotional moment for everybody. And it's it's going to show you like the difference. So you have Iron Man and now you've got Captain Marvel, who's just this badass. I don't think we as an audience are even ready for what is in store for us on her front. I mean, we're so excited. And to me, I'm glad that they didn't show her in the trailer. I'm okay with that. Having those two things standalone, I think is going to make for a greater impact. When you see that movie and then you see Avengers, I think the culmination of all of that so soon is really going to bring this character into light. Because you haven't seen her yet. You haven't known anything. She hasn't been on screen. And I think you're going to get a big overload of information from her. And I think that's going to really put her up to speed and really get her pushing forward into that next phase of Marvel. So... Well, man, this has been fun. I think we're looking at trying to do this every other week, maybe once a week right now because there's so much information out. This is the first time ever podcast, so we really enjoy this, and we'll go from there. For those that are on Twitter, we just set up our Twitter account, WTAE Podcast. Follow us. Tweet us. We'll, We'll keep up on anything new, anything exciting. We'll make sure we have our own personals on there so you guys can follow those as well, too. This should be fun. I'm looking forward to this, and this is exciting. I enjoyed it. We are in the end game now. Uh, We'll see you next week on Worth the Admission.